This is Talk of the Town, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Our program's heard on Magic 590, plus 100.5, and on 96.9 and 1410 in the North Country. Our guest is Mary Muller, Program Specialist at the Center of Excellence for Alzheimer's Disease at Albany Medical Center. Muller is a graduate of the University at Albany, and she is author of the book, Alzheimer's Through the Stages, A Caregiver's Guide, What to Expect, What to Say, What to Do. It sounds as if this will be a very helpful book. Why did you write this book? Hi, good morning. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Working in the community with caregivers for over 15 years, I have seen a pattern where very often caregivers do not take care of themselves. It's, It's not a priority. And I really wanted this book to give people the nuts and bolts of Alzheimer's disease and all the stages. Uh, But I also, there's a really strong part that helps caregivers identify why self-care is so important and then how they can implement it when their days are so full of of being a caregiver for their loved one. When you say self-care, you mean care for the caregiver? Care for the caregiver, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. What has been your training in uh, caring for Alzheimer's disease? You've been a, a student at the University at Albany, as I understand it. Yes, indeed. Uh, and I've also uh, regionally developed two programs for caregivers that specifically target their health and wellness because we saw that there was a service gap in that area. And so what, if their loved ones are taken care of or they've been connected with services, then they very often the caregiver... Um, it's time for them to look after themselves and to keep their own medical appointments and to focus on some things that could kind of help regain their identity of being um, something other than a caregiver. So they're so wrapped up and enmeshed in their loved ones' lives that it's important for them to have time for themselves. And I just it became just a personal passion. As I see caregivers, they get sick and they get hurt. They hurt themselves as they're helping their loved one move or transfer or driving them all over to different appointments that it really, I wanted to shed light on that, that they are so integral to the care of their loved one that it's just vitally important that they take care of themselves. And then they say, oh, I I feel guilty and I shouldn't, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. So this book speaks to that, speaks about trying to maintain a balance or at least Look, see that balance as, as a goal and try to work towards meeting it. You have the word Alzheimer's in, in the title. Is it so that Alzheimer's is just one form of dementia, but there are others? Yes, indeed. So dementia is a broad category. It's an umbrella term for a series of uh, symptoms that impair someone's cognitive functioning. So they develop with dementia difficulty with thinking and processing and and memory loss and judgment and so forth. So Alzheimer's disease is one type of dementia, and it is, in fact, the most common type of dementia. Hmm. So approximately of all the cases with dementia, um, about 60 to 80 percent are recognized as Alzheimer's disease. So Hmm. it's the most common type. What is Alzheimer's specifically, or how, does, how is it different from other dementias? Well, that it's, it's, it's very common. So it's a long-term disease that injures the brain over time. So it starts out in mild, and then there's several stages. So 
In the book, it's categorized as mild, moderate, and severe. And in the mild stages, very often people, they do pretty well. They can still function. They live independently. But the family or the caregivers start to see gaps in how they function. So they may forget an ingredient in a recipe. Um, And then in in the moderate stage, maybe some difficult behaviors might emerge. Um, They may need more supervision, things like that. And in the end stage, they need full-time care. Mm. And it's a slow, steady progression of the disease. So in comparison to other types of dementia that are not as common, it's a different trajectory. So, for example, vascular dementia, mm-hmm. that could be as a result of strokes or heart attacks. That used to be the most common. But now through the, um, our um, technology um, and medical advances, that's more treatable. Um, and there's other types of dementia, dementia with Lewy bodies, frontal temporal dementia. It looks very different. It's up and down. It affects different parts of the brain. Uh, what, what differentiates Alzheimer's disease is that it's a, a steady progression over time. Mm-hmm. And it impairs eventually all areas of the, of the person's life. And it gets that name by the, from the physician, I believe, who, who first uh, described it? Yes, yes. Back in the early 1900s, Dr. Alzheimer's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had a patient and uh, from Germany, actually. And um, he recognized that this was not a normal part of aging. And so he did coin the phrase and he, he diagnosed it as, as Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Does the advice in your book apply specifically to Alzheimer's and the caregivers of Alzheimer's? Or does it also apply to the other forms of dementia? It applies to... Actually, it applies to anyone who is taking care of someone with memory loss. So if someone has difficulty thinking, even if it's as a result of another disease, um, it's very, very helpful. Because the caregiver piece is really broadly applicable for anyone who has an older adult or a loved one that depends on them. But it is geared for those that uh, care for someone with memory loss. So not necessarily Alzheimer's disease. Um, it's just, it's, um, it's a broad category. Mm-hmm. Have you had experience in your family with Alzheimer's? Actually, we have not, which is interesting because I've had this question before. Um, we have not. Um, what, what, what I've seen, though, for so many years of those, I used to facilitate caregiver support groups for years and years and years. And then year after year, I would see these families just go through so much. Their losses are so tremendous. And meanwhile, the caregiver has to hold it all together. I just saw it as an identified need and an area I'm just very, very passionate about. Because I think caregivers are really unsung heroes. And very often they're invisible to society. So I guess the social worker advocate in me wants to shed light on this. Mm-hmm. Because it, they're so important to helping people age in place. That, that their health and wellness really must be a priority. And by age in place, you mean being able to stay in in your home or a, your own apartment or something like that? Well, ideally. Ideally, age in place could mean a variety of things. Um, aging in place could be, yes, in their home or their apartment or moving in with a loved one. So generally in the community uh, to keep keep people safe, yes. Hmm. Yeah. Although once someone gets placed, very often towards the end stage of the disease, um, it takes a team. And this is where caregivers really struggle when they decide to have a loved one placed in long-term care that they feel terribly guilty 
and but at some point it takes a whole team of medical professionals to provide that care and it really uh they're still a caregiver though they're still checking they're still visiting so even if someone is when the time comes to have them placed they're still caregiving mm. uh, and alzheimer if it's specifically alzheimer's I don't mean to be too blunt, but what do you die from in Alzheimer's disease? Well, it's a good question uh, because what happens is right now, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death. used to be 10. Now it's the sixth. And it could be, usually what happens is the body, uh, the brain stops telling the body how to function. So for example, the, um, the tongue, the tongue no longer knows how to to receive food. So it could be pneumonia, could be aspiration. That's generally what um, people with Alzheimer's disease die from. But the thing is, Alzheimer's disease is the primary cause of death, but it looks, it happens as pneumonia very, very often. Or another acute illness will, will happen. And then, but it's ultimately the Alzheimer's disease that really causes it. We're talking with uh, Mary Muller, who's a program specialist at the Center of Excellence for Alzheimer's Disease at Albany Medical Center. Uh, she is a, a social worker, as I, I understand it, and a longtime a student of these matters at the University at Albany, and is author of the book, Alzheimer's Through the Stages, A Caregiver's Guide, What to Expect, What to Say, What to Do. Uh, you had a, a quote by, from Rosalind Carter uh, that I found very uh, moving and uh, applicable, I think, in this situation. Uh, the the uh, woman married to the former president, Jimmy Carter, she said something to the effect, I think I would have written the exact words down, all of us are caregivers and or we are given care. Yes. So Rosalind Carter is a wonderful advocate for caregivers, and she has several institutes across the country. And I opened the book with her quote. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, it says there are only four kinds of people, those who become caregivers, those who are caregivers, those who were caregivers, and those who will need caregiving themselves. So I think it really lends itself to all of us here and on the planet at some point will be related to caregiving in one capacity or another. Mm. My parents both had some form of, of dementia, so I guess I'd be... At least one, and I'm wondering what's going to, what I'm going to be the next one. You know what I mean? In other words, I cared for them, um, and I wonder if I'm you know, like next in line. Well, it depends. <laughs> that's that's one thing that that's the first thing to say. It depends. A lot of it depends. I mean, there is a genetic component, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the next generation will get it, will come down with Alzheimer's disease, or that they will develop it. Not at all. There's a lot of protective factors and a lot of risk factors that affect the brain. So one of the risk factors would be a genetic component, but that's only one. Protective factors would be you take good care of yourself. You get plenty of sleep. You're constantly learning. You're socially engaged. And clearly you, Bob, you don't live an isolated life. So that has a lot to do with mm. it also. So mm. there's not you reduce isolation and, and you take care of yourself, and then in turn, your brain benefits from that. Um, it is important to note that um, over the age of 85, one in three older adults will have some form of memory loss. But the most important part to note is that it's not a normal part of aging. 
It does not have to happen. It does happen, yes, but it's not a normal part of aging. And we say that a lot because if someone does see a medical provider and they say, oh, it's normal, it's a normal part of aging. We recommend it in the book. It's recommended that the family take that a little bit further and really get an accurate diagnosis. And that will help the family take care of their loved one. What are the early signs of Alzheimer's and how do you get an accurate diagnosis? Well, a couple different things. So early signs are difficulty learning new things. So if you have a new, I mean, technology, it's kind of, um, technology is kind of an enigma because those of us that grew up with technology, it's, it's more and more used to it. But so, for example, if someone goes from a rotary phone to a touchtone phone and they can't figure out how to use a different phone, so they can't, they can't learn new tasks. And the memory, it disrupts their daily life. And actually, the Alzheimer's Association has really spectacular resources that could answer all these questions, ALD.org, mm-hmm. um, but also so memory that disrupts daily life. So challenging in um, planning and solving problems. So years ago, if somebody would, a few years back, say, for example, if they got lost, they could figure out how to get home or in a recipe, if they ran out of an ingredient, they could probably think of a, of a substitute that would be pretty close. In the early stages, the person, if there's no brown sugar, they might not even know what to do. They cannot maybe use mm. white sugar or whatever another sweetener substitute would be. Mm. And if someone gets lost, they can't find their way back home. Uh, but it doesn't mean they can't drive anymore necessarily. It just means they, it, it, that's probably coming up soon thereafter but they can't, they can't problem solve. Mm-hmm. And this is a big one. They really, um, it becomes difficult to complete familiar tasks. Mm. So whether it's at work or at home, again, they start the recipe, but they don't finish it. Uh, things like that. Or they start to vacuum and then walk away and leave the vacuum running. Uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then another one is confusion with time or place. They go, now, when was that event? Mm-hmm. When was that birthday party? Mm-hmm. And you can say, Mom, it was last Tuesday, and they can't, they, they lose that ability to track the time, and that's, that's usually a hallmark as well. Um, another thing which is important to note is that this is very difficult to detect sometimes. It's the difficulty with visual images and, and spatial relationships. So this is where um, the older adult bumps their car, so all the four corners of the car are kind of <laughs> nicked and bumped up because mm-hmm. they lose that depth perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, misplacing items and not being able to retrace steps. So that's that's just some. <laughs> okay, and and who makes the diagnosis if you know of Alzheimer's? Okay, well, it's a good question because very often uh, primary care providers do a really great job with that, um, but it can be difficult, especially in the mild stages. And a lot of times they may not have enough time to do more um, intense or more in-depth cognitive testing. So we recommend that a neurologist um, have that ability to see that person and then to get a diagnosis. Um, it's very it's it's very worthwhile. Again, especially if someone says it's a normal part of aging, you definitely want to seek out a, a neurologist. Mm-hmm. And and we are at the center of excellence for Alzheimer's disease. We're one of ten across the state that provide that expertise. Mm-hmm. 
Now, and again, we're talking with uh, Mary Muller, who has written a book called Alzheimer's Through the Stages, a caregiver's guide, emphasis on caregivers taking care of themselves, what to expect, what to say, what to do. Let me jump ahead to the more later stages of of Alzheimer's or or dementia, um, one of the, uh, what does it mean? You you speak of embracing the moment. A, a lot of times, uh, the caregiver uh, like gets into an argument with the loved one because you know the loved one is uh, seeing things that aren't there. You know, making these it's like living in a fantasy world. Is the and I'm probably asking you too many things at once, but. Is, is it so that now the current thinking is it's better just to, to go along with the loved one? Excellent. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Yes, that is one of the most successful strategies caregivers can use is to, as they say, go with the flow. Embrace that moment. If your loved one thinks it's 1952 and they're going to their aunts for lunch, okay, you can agree with them. It doesn't mean that you're going to drive them there. Uh, but you can say, let's get dressed. Um, yes, you just embrace the moment. You meet your loved one where they're at. Because you can tell them 15 times, no, Mom, it's, it's 2019. It's 2019. And they're not, they're not going to understand that. And, yes, it leads to, to conflicts and tension that really can be avoided. So, yes, thank you. It's meet them where they're at. Take a deep breath and just be present with them and let them be. Mm. And at some point, I don't know, maybe this happens in all cases, but it happens in many. Um, let's say I know a case of a, of a husband and wife, you know, for many years. Eventually, the, the husband doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. It does. It happens. If the husband doesn't know, they don't recognize their loved one anymore. And this is where it's devastating for the caregiver. They've been there for 50 years, 60 years, or however many years, and they no longer recognize them. And that's when the caregiver has to just maybe get some counseling, go to a support group to be gentle with themselves and to just understand it's the disease. It's the progression of the disease. It's not um, that they're mad at their loved one, at their spouse. It's not that they're being defiant or it's not that they're just being problematic. They really, truly may not. And the one thing about that, it's that if they no longer recognize you, you could still enjoy special moments together. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a favorite song. There's um, having ice cream, something like that. You can s- still share those kind of special moments that can help keep each other connected. Even if they go, oh, oh you're, hi, honey, you're, you're very sweet to me. And it's his wife. Mm-hmm. But she could put on their favorite song and he may smile. There's those moments where they can still connect and still have that um, meaningful relationship and meaningful time together. Hmm. And what is nonverbal communication, and why is that important? Well, nonverbal communication is very important, and that's for both. That's for the loved one with the disease and for the caregiver. So it's important to pay attention to nonverbals. So, for example, if you see their, their eyes brightening up, you know, getting lit up when they see you coming into the room, or they're, they're hitting their wrist on the chair, so maybe that means they're anxious about something or they're turning their head away, they don't want to take their medication. I mean, that's obvious. But it's important to pay attention to that because nonverbal for the loved one with a disease, it's a method of communication. They're trying to to say maybe they're in pain or they're thirsty or they're upset. So it's important to pay attention to that 
And for the caregiver, I have to tell you, Bob, one of the best strategies is to smile. Make Mm. eye contact and smile. Mm. And gently and lovingly take your loved one's hand. It's really the most powerful uh, non-communication that really helps people um, communicate. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a very helpful and beneficial uh, book. Uh, We've been talking with Mary Mahler, author of the book, Alzheimer's Through the Stages, A Caregiver's Guide, What to Expect, What to Say, What to Do. It's uh, available uh, at Amazon and also at at local bookstores. Thank you for joining us, Mary. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You've been listening to Talk of the Town, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Our program is heard on Magic 590 plus 100.5 and on 96.9 and 1410 in the North Country. This program will be podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.